Welcome to the Kotke Ride Home for Thursday, May 6th, 2021. I'm Jackson Bird. Are you chuggy? Am I chuggy? What the heck is chuggy? The more we post photos of ourselves online, the easier it is for AIs to recognize us. But what if there were a way for them to forget our faces? And a useful site that will tell you exactly how long you need to watch any TV show you want. Here are some of the cool things from the news today. There is a new word upon us, a silly-looking and sounding word that is not at all intuitive in its meaning just by looking at it, and a word that one person on Twitter, Joe Berger Tweets, said of it, quote, If I could buy stock in a word, this one is going to go up in value to be on the words of the year, end quote. The word is chuggy, C-H-E-U-G-Y, chuggy. It basically means anything not cool. More specifically than just uncool, it means something out of date or someone just off a trend. Common examples of things that are chuggy include girl boss culture, all those wall art signs with cursive writing and punny phrases, basically all graphic tees, chevron prints, inflatable yard decorations, going on cruises, herbal essences shampoo. As the cut describes it, quote, Think things likely beloved by the high school classmate who tried to make you join a multi-level marketing scheme, end quote. Rolling Stone describes Chugi as, quote, an aesthetic that is somewhere between basicness and cheesiness or anything that seems hopelessly out of touch or trying too hard. Examples include Neutrogena's oil-free cleansing wipes in pink grapefruit, the Instagram caption, we did a thing, to boast about a recent accomplishment, raspberry-flavored vodka, and being obsessed with The Office or Friends, end quote. Honestly, devoting a podcast segment to explaining Chugi is probably low-key Chugi. The word comes from Gabby Rassen, a 23-year-old software developer in L.A. who coined the term a decade ago in high school after struggling to find a word that hit on exactly what she was trying to describe. She says that chuggy just came to her and that the sound seemed to fit the meaning. The word spread around her high school, and then when those folks went off to college, they took it with them and spread it around the nation, but it really took off at the end of March when Hallie Kane shared it on TikTok. And now there are countless TikToks and dedicated Instagram accounts declaring what things are and are not chuggy, as well as a slew of explainer articles from the mainstream media outlets for us olds. What's chuggy and what isn't can definitely be up for interpretation. And while a lot of it does kind of seem to follow that Facebook acquaintance who got married at 20 and is in an MLM vibe... It also reaches across genders, generations, and economic classes. For example, quoting the New York Times, The Hype House, Golden Goose Sneakers, Anything Associated with Barstool Sports, Gucci Belts with the Large Double G Logo, Being Really Into Sneaker Culture, and Ray Dunn Pottery, end quote, are all also chuggy. What's not chuggy, apparently, include, quoting again from the Times, Thrifting, making your own clothes, handmade products, Levi's jeans, Birkenstocks, home decor not found at Target, and looking good for yourself and not caring what other people think. That confidence exudes non chuginess said Rassen, end quote. 
Which, like, apart from that last bit about confidence in yourself for yourself, I'm pretty sure any number of those things could and will be described as chuggy within two years' time. I mean, a lot of what millennials thought was chuggy when we were in it, even if we didn't have the word, is now apparently really cool to Gen Z. For example, I can always tell when someone is in their early 20s versus their late 20s if they're wearing something that makes it clear they weren't forced to wear that same outfit as a small child. As the Rolling Stone notes, quote, No matter how much they believe otherwise, no generation ever comes up with anything new. The sweatshirt, biker shorts, visco girl aesthetic, after all, was clearly copped from early 90s era Princess Di. And the internet has made it especially easy for memes to float around in the ether until they're repackaged in slightly different forms. End quote. So while this whole term could really just feel like another word to fuel millennial bashing, and it's definitely being used in that way by some, Rassen and others insist that it's not meant to be mean, and that everyone has a little chug in them. And maybe in creating a new term that at least ostensibly permeates beyond one generation, it will simmer down the generation-on-generation generation baiting instead of fueling it further. Or maybe I'm too much of an optimist. Really, it's just yet another label that TikTok culture is clinging onto. As millennial cringe as a lot of the identifying labels that people used to pile into their Tumblr bios were, TikTok is rife with the same thing, just packaged in a sleeker, more aesthetically appealing box, for now. And adding core to the end of everything, by the way, is exactly what emo kids did 15 to 20 years ago. Gretchen McCulloch, a linguist and the author of Because Internet, a book whose title is very chuggy, told the New York Times, quote, a word like chuggy is a way of labeling an in-group and an out-group. Certain types of words go through trends just like clothing and accessories do. Coming up with a word like chuggy is a way to distance yourself from something that used to be really popular until very recently. End quote. If you like stuff that is apparently not popular anymore, as I absolutely do, the best advice is to just own it. Own your chugginess. And if all this sounds completely stupid to you, and that you're too tired to keep up with these words, the net effect of that is that you're probably going to come off as non-chuggy as well. It's just in putting up a resistance that you'll seem like a full-on chug, and probably not in the cute way. In addressing the crossover of millennial roasting with misogyny, the Rolling Stone hit on an important point. Quote, on social media, some have condemned the term chuggy, accusing it of being misogynistic and used as yet another way to bully women. This is misguided. Bullying is what happens when you weaponize markers of someone's identity against them. And if you consider wearing Tory Burch sandals an integral aspect of your identity, then you probably need to take a long, hard look at your own privilege. Misogyny is insidious, and it takes many forms in our culture, but making fun of someone for posting minion memes is not one of them. End quote. Which I agree with to a certain extent. Early last fall, when I did a segment about the history of pumpkin spice's popularity, I found a quote from a woman that has stuck with me ever since. Mary, a 46-year-old librarian from Kentucky, told Refinery29, quote, if people are going to make fun of me for liking pumpkin spice lattes, that's their business. I'm a middle-class white woman. My life is pretty easy. If the worst thing somebody can do is mock me for drinking the PSL, I've had a pretty good day overall. End quote. Right on, Mary. Pumpkin spice lattes are probably peak chug. And like all things chuggy, we should just own it. You know, yesterday I thought the fact that I like Marvel movies and IPAs was basic. Now I'm told it's chuggy. Whatever, 
I'm not gonna stop liking Marvel movies and IPAs regardless of what word people use to describe me for doing so. But I do think chuggy is a fun word to say, so there's that. You know that corner of your mind where things go that you really should be concerned about but that you just can't practically worry about all the time? A big one in there for me is how easily AIs can recognize my face. Like, I've been posting photos and videos on the internet since I was 16. The internet has half my lifetime's worth of growth and physical appearance changes to patch together to identify me. And while I'm pretty resigned to that reality, we shouldn't have to be. Especially as facial recognition software becomes more accessible and ubiquitous, which means more bad actors being able to use it for harmful ends, it's something we really need to address. It's tough, though, because for many of us, it's already gotten so out of hand that simply no longer posting selfies or deleting anything that we have access to wouldn't really make a dent. The damage has been done. Fortunately, a growing number of AI researchers are trying to use the technology for good rather than evil by developing tools that enable individuals to trick AIs into not recognizing their faces. Emily Wegner from the University of Chicago and her colleagues developed one of the first versions of this last summer called Fox, spelled F-A-W-K-E-S, like Guy Fox. I imagine in reference to the anonymizing of those Guy Fox masks and not in reference to the pet phoenix from Harry Potter, but who knows? Here's how Fox and similar other tools work, quoting the MIT Technology Review. They make tiny changes to an image that are hard to spot with a human eye, but throw off an AI, causing it to misidentify who or what it sees in a photo. This technique is very close to a kind of adversarial attack, where small alterations to input data can force deep learning models to make big mistakes. Give Fox a bunch of selfies and it will add pixel-level perturbations to the images that stop state-of-the-art facial recognition systems from identifying who is in the photos. Unlike previous ways of doing this, such as wearing AI-spoofing face paint, it leaves the images apparently unchanged to humans, end quote. When tested against some of the biggest facial recognition systems like Amazon's AWS Recognition and Microsoft Azure, Fox was 100% effective in preventing them from recognizing people in the initial 50-image dataset when shown those faces again later in fresh images. Those are pretty incredible results, and you can download it right now from Fox's website if you want to try it. But that only protects you going forward. Most of us already have tons of images of our faces online. So another tool called Loki, again spelled L-O-W-K-E-Y, not L-O-K-I like the Norse god whose Disney Plus show premieres next month, at least as far as I know, Loki is designed to, as the MIT Tech Review puts it, quote, sabotage existing systems that have already been trained on your unprotected images. It applies perturbations to images based on a stronger kind of adversarial attack, which also fools pre-trained commercial models, end quote. And then Daniel Ma from Deakin University in Australia and his team are going even further. They tweak images into unlearnable examples so that AI models ignore the images completely. Quoting again, Unlike Fox and its followers, unlearnable examples are not based on adversarial attacks. Instead of introducing changes to an image that force an AI to make a mistake, Ma's team adds tiny changes that trick an AI into ignoring it during training. When presented with the image later, its evaluation of what's in it will be no better than a random guess. 
unlearnable examples may prove more effective than adversarial attacks since they cannot be trained against. The more adversarial examples an AI sees, the better it gets at recognizing them. But because Ma and his colleagues stop an AI from training on images in the first place, they claim this won't happen with unlearnable examples. End quote. And yes, that is the main issue with the adversarial type of tools. The AIs they're fighting seem to be learning how to work against them, so the teams are constantly having to tweak them and release updates. But despite that current limitation, they are still working, and Fox and Lowkey at least are freely available to use online. Links to them are in the MIT Tech Review article in the show notes. As Wenger said, quote, Companies like Clearview are capitalizing on what they perceive to be freely available data and using it to do whatever they want. There's always going to be a disconnect between what is legally acceptable and what people actually want. Tools like Fox fill that gap. Let's give people some power that they didn't have before. End quote. Ending today with just a cool site recommendation for you, it's called Can I Binge? And what you do is input a TV show and a length of time, and the site calculates whether it's possible for you to watch the entirety of that show in that period of time, and if so, how many episodes you need to watch per day. For example, since the trailer for season 4 just dropped, and let's say you want to get caught up right away, can you binge Stranger Things in one week? Yes, apparently, you'd have to watch five episodes a day, but you can do it. This site is very confident in your stamina. For example, it does tell me that I wouldn't be able to watch all of Gilmore Girls in four days, but if I bump it up to five days, it says, yep, so long as I watch 31 episodes a day. No big deal. The site was built by Brian Young, who describes himself as, quote, a designer who's trying to keep himself busy or else he's going to start talking to his furniture, end quote. <laughs> the TV data gets pulled from the movie database, so it's fairly comprehensive. I was even able to find a few British TV shows that have never aired in America. It's a fun site to play with, and I imagine quite useful if you really do want to catch up on or rewatch a show right before a new season drops. So check it out, play around with it. Link is in the show notes. So here's an interesting trend that Chartbeat and Axios found. People spent more time reading content online via their desktops versus their phones during the pandemic. That's not necessarily groundbreaking. I think we could all make that general assumption. However, the interesting bit is that, at least while on desktop, people are actually reading further into articles than they were before. Overall, throughout the pandemic, people spent more time with articles. Even though the narrative was one of aimless doom-scrolling, it seems like people were actually actively engaging with individual content more than it seemed. As people head back to offices, travel, and recreational activities, this is likely to bounce back again, but who knows, maybe the trend will keep up. I mean, even just a little bit of course correction on people actually reading articles instead of just scrolling headlines is definitely a positive for society. But that is it for today. As always, this show was produced by Ride Home Media and Kaki.org. I am Jackson Bird, and I will talk to you again tomorrow.